plenty of strikes at the debate, but it is the U.S. airstrikes on Syria that isn't getting enough attention. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. We're talking about uh, what they're referring to as a self-defense strike on a weapons storage facility. This is eastern Syria, a facility used by the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. You'll sometimes see it as IRGC and their groups. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin saying that it was a precision self-defense strike, a response to a series of attacks against U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by IRGC and Quds Force affiliates. U.S. troops have been facing attacks. And what do we do? We, we say, don't. And, and, uh, and Kamala Harris is kind of like scolding you, don't. And, and Anthony Blinken is saying, like the president said, don't. And Joe Biden uh, goes out there and says, don't. Now, where's my ice cream? And Pete Buttigieg, he goes to Ukraine for some unknown reason to just hang out with Vladimir Zelensky. Super weird. It's nice to know that Pete's getting tips on how to build a proper in- infrastructure from a country that is right now in a war. No, it makes, it makes perfect sense that the transportation secretary would make a visit to Ukraine. Well, let's prove that we're still paying attention, but let's not actually send anybody who matters. Pete! Pete, no, no, get off your bike. We know you didn't ride it here, Pete. It came in the Suburban. Pete, we're going to send you to Ukraine. U- U- Ukraine, it's a, it's a country. Uh, let me get out the map, Pete. Road Scholar, right? Okay. Uh, uh, there, there's, there's Ukraine. And there's Russia. Russia's a bad guy. Yes, it is. And then Russia's trying to do bad things to Ukraine. So you got to go there and, and, and smile and talk about bridges. Okay? Talk about bridges. And then and then uh, may, may, maybe we'll have you come back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming that's how the conversation went. I'm not so sure. I, was, I wasn't there. I was not there. But I was there last night with Americans for Prosperity and all the people who showed up. Fill in the house for this uh, debate. Very, very good time. And I appreciate everybody who came out. Uh, the debate was so much better than anything else we've seen. The questions asked by NBC, so much better than anything else we've seen. And yet, if you ask me for a winner, I can't do it. Because while there were solid answers and things that were impressive and things that you should hear and things that were criminally insane and things that were just shock value, there is one thing that they all missed. And I cannot believe they all missed it. They let two hours go by and they forgot who they were running against. You want to talk about missed opportunity when you desperately need to make waves? When you need to cut into a 30-point lead by the guy who didn't even show up? Can't believe it. I will break it all down. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. At USC, tearing down posters of Israeli hostages in in a hallway and laughing about it. Five minutes in Gaza. Do you think she'd last? Five minutes in Gaza? The, the, the university system is broken. Broken. And the, the university professors who got 
and the university administrators who got just beat up by the debate stage last night. Oh, don't worry. They weren't watching. They don't even know. Uh, They deserved everything they got. And you withholding your funding of these schools and, and your donations, so the very right thing to do. The very right thing to do. But is it right to be removing groups from college campuses? Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Uh, I was stunned. So there I am. Uh, we're at we're Blend Bar Cigar last night. Uh, the Cigars and Debate event with Americans for Prosperity. The drinks are flowing. The cigars were smoking. The American from J.C. Newman, which if you've never had it, is a wonderful cigar. It's all American tobacco. Uh, it, it is done there at the El Reloge, uh facility in Ybor City. Um, super, super solid cigar. Great time. And the debate starts on the conversation of, of Israel and anti-Semitism I, 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 I mean, you knew it was going to come up, and certainly if I was one of these candidates, I would pivot there on a conversation of, of national security and a conversation of, of bigotry and, and what America stands for. It would make sense. It would fit. I didn't think that Lester Holt and, and uh, Kirsten Welker, Kirsten Welker were, were going to go down that road as well. Questions of substance, and they kept coming. But one of the questions, one of the conversations was uh, about what's happening on college campuses. Here is how uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, uh, answered. I was the first presidential candidate to say, if you are here on a student visa as a foreign national, you're making common cause with Hamas, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. No questions asked. Second, I have friends here in Florida who their kids do not feel safe even going to university campus at all outside of the state of Florida. You have Jewish students fleeing for their lives at Cooper Union. Joe Biden should have the Department of Justice on these college campuses and holding the universities accountable for civil rights violations. When you have, you should not have money going to these places. I already acted in Florida. We had a group students for justice of Palestine. They said they are common cause with Hamas. They said we're not just in solidarity. This is what we are. We deactivated them. We're not going to use state tax dollars to fund jihad. No way. And what is Biden doing? Not only is he not helping the Jewish students who are being persecuted, he is launching an initiative to combat so-called Islamophobia. No, it's the anti-Semitism that's spiraling out of control. That is what we have to confront. And as president, I can tell you this. We are not going to stand for this on college campuses any longer. Now, he did mention that what he is discussing is the funding of the groups. That's what he's discussing, the funding of the groups. Vivek Ramaswamy, different tact, not surprising. These kids, they have no idea what the heck they're even talking about when they're siding with Hamas over Israel. They are fools. But I also want to caution here, if we go the direction of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, with whom I respectfully disagree on this issue, 
pro-censorship, telling student groups to disband. Mark my words. Soon they will say if you question a vaccine and its side effects, you're a bioterrorist. Soon they will say that if you show up at a school board meeting, you're a domestic terrorist. Soon if they say that J6 prisoners should be released, you're an insurrectionist terrorist. So that's where this road ends. We don't quash this with censorship because that creates a worse underbelly. We quell it through leadership by calling it out. These university administrators have lost their way, and we need leadership at the top in the United States of America that restores our founding values and that has no place for this kind of anti-Semitic hate. That's where I stand while respecting our Constitution. Your time is out. Uh, Senator Scott, uh, let me get you to weigh in on what you just heard. They are both engaged in a tactic uh, on, on this conversation. And I, I, I would start by reminding uh, Vivek uh, that these are adults. They're not kids. I, I will call a 16-year-old a child. I will not call a 19-year-old a child. They're adults, and they have to deal with what it is that, that they're doing. The fact that they don't know what they're saying, the fact that they have been brought up to buy into this kind of despicableness, well, this is really a, uh, a, a repudiation of the educational system as a whole. And when you see this on college campuses, understand that the campus really does kind of bring this to the fore. They do encourage this kind of bigotry. That's obvious. But it starts somewhere. And that's your high school and that's your middle school. You want to know why people are homeschooling? (laughs) They're looking uh, to charters. They're looking in other directions. You think they want their kids surrounded by this kind of hate? You take a look at this culturally. There, there. This is this is already being baked in before they get there. In the same way, uh, that they're they're baking in this idea of uh, America bad or capitalism bad or somehow uh, abortion is is religion. Which there was abortion conversation because the Republicans don't have it yet. How are they going to move forward on this conversation? Well, unless they're really willing to say, you know what. We're willing to take the losses until we get the wins. But we're right and you're murderers. If they're not going to say that, you got to listen to where Americans are. Now, it's an interesting thing to say, well, wait, on this, you'll, you'll change, and on this, you won't, and on this. That's that commentary needs response, and I'm more than happy to give it. Let's focus right now on this Israel question. I thought it was a good bit of exchange on how this should be handled. The group can exist. You don't have to give it state funding. And you have to, through leadership, expose why these students are wrong. Yeah, do both things. It's not one or the other. And yes, university presidents here in Indiana and across the country are not engaged in that level of leadership. In very many ways, they're afraid of their students and their administration. But this was only one part of the debate. The debate had a series of moves, and one of them was on the idea of the military, how the Chinese have more ships than the United States. The United States is at 291 right now. And what's the magic number? What is the number of ships that you need in the U.S. Navy? We've talked about this. 
You can change your army. You can change your air force. You need ships at sea to ensure shipping routes, to ensure uh, uh, positioning a navy. We haven't learned this from the British. We haven't learned this from the Spanish Armada. History tells us something. You need a navy. So the question was asked by Hugh Hewitt about this. Chris Christie with maybe his only good answer of the night. Christie, you know, my first observation, Hugh, is that nobody answers your question. And, and my second observation is these three in the middle think they're the enemy. I know China is the enemy. And that's what we should be focused on. So let's be really clear. The nuclear submarines in this United States Navy is the greatest deterrent to Chinese aggression, and that is the first place I would go to increase American naval power. Our nuclear submarines are able to move stealthily, quietly, and effectively, and if we are going to deter China from invading Taiwan, the only way we're going to do it is to make sure that they don't know whether how many nuclear submarines from the United States of America are in the South China Sea and in that area and ready to strike on them if they decide to move on Taiwan. And so we, as our first priority, need to go directly to our nuclear sub-program queue, and we need to increase it drastically. That would be priority number one. Ships would come next, but to me, the ships are secondary choice here. The, the submarines are the single most important thing that we could be deterring, that we could be using to deter China. Now, that is a solid and smart answer. But he didn't answer the number of ships either. And Nikki Haley came back to it later and said, our problem is we don't know because we don't know how we're going to afford it. How do you come up with an answer in terms of knowing what you can afford? Which is a fine response, by the way. And as somebody uh, noted on Twitter, um, uh, Robert, I believe it was, doesn't matter how many ships you have if you don't have the sailors. Isn't recruitment part of this conversation? I have an idea of how many ships. I have an idea of how I think a Navy should should run. But that was Chris Christie's best. Because he was not good last night. That man was off and his hair was gray. I don't know what was going on. I've got more on the debate to get into. Keep it here. And the Hollywood strike is over. And finally, finally, we can get to some fine, fine television once again. From Television City in Hollywood. I don't think it'll be that good. I mean, that was just good, good. Come and knock on our door. It could be that good. It, it, I, think, I think it could be, at the very least, that good. It, 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 it could be better than this, but it'll never be theme music better than this. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Yes. That's that that that's good right there. Where do we go from here? Admittedly, I do like my TV shows that can do musical theater. Where do we go from here? The battle's done and we kind of won, so we sound our victory cheer. Producer Jonathan, do you even know what that's from? I do not know. Yeah, you do not. That's okay. No, I'm just leaving it there. People who know, 
No. And by the way, I'm not ashamed. I watch good TV. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Uh, They've reached an agreement, has not been ratified yet by the members. So we'll see what is in this thing. It has been 118 days that uh, these actors have been on strike. Shows will get back going. It'll be a question of whether or not the streaming platforms are going to share in any of uh, that level of residual. We'll see how it works. And then, uh, did they win any concessions regarding AI? When I said that the Actors Guild was concerned with AI replacing actors, I, I, I had people laughing and yelling at me on social media. What didn't you understand? This is exactly a, one of the many, many concerns. You can easily, easily engage the manipulation. You think I go to a movie because of the actor? Don't get me wrong, actors are a draw. But the movie works because there's a story. Before the actor was known, they were unknown, which means they had to be in something. But the story is what matters. How many people watch anime? What do we... I don't don't even know how there's an argument here. So they've worked out a deal. We'll see what that deal is, and we will see what the terms are. Union said the contract is valued at more than a billion dollars. Includes the creation of a streaming participation bonus. When the data comes out, we will share it. In the meantime, uh, you're going to get TV shows back. Yeah, you could do better than this. You you could do better than this, right? We can all agree. You can do better than than Doogie Hauser. By the way, producer Jonathan, have you ever seen an episode of Doogie Hauser? I have not. No. Oh, no, you haven't, have you? That's, huh? That's a, that's just that's just sad. That is just, that is just. It's f- embarrassing. It really is. It really is. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to stay at home and and just catch up on this. I, I'll give I'll give you an assignment of all the shows you have to watch. Doogie Hauser, just one episode, just to get the idea of it. Uh, soap, you have to watch uh, at least a full season of, of Soap. That has to happen. Yes, you have to watch Good Times, uh, un- undoubtedly. Um, and then find some old episodes of Cop Rock. As I said, I love a good musical. Tony Katz, ninety three WIBC. Good morning. Let us take a step back and take a look again at Kentucky and Virginia. How were these places lost? That's a solid question. Was this a conversation about abortion or a conversation about Trump or a conversation about both or other factors? I am a believer as I engage that Trump's popularity is real And Trump is going to have an issue winning a general election. I know some of you disagree with me. I know some of you agree with me. I think that is probably the fun of the gig. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Trump is going to have problems winning a general election. I stand now uh, in the camp of he can't win a general election. If he's the nominee, 
I'm voting for him. Just for the sake of clarity. This will all come into play coming up in a little bit as we discuss the debate that we saw last night. But Charles Cook over at National Review, uh, following up on a piece by Dominic Pino, making sense of the election where Republicans got beat and Republicans got shellacked. Breathe, kitten. It was not the night you wanted. And we've had a lot of nights we didn't want. I mean, I didn't didn't want Indianapolis to vote for another term of uh, Joe Hogsett's failures and a socialist, but they did, so all right. I had, I had put out on Twitter, uh, you know, a third term for Hogsett. You elected a socialist, nothing else to say. And people are like, do you promise? Oh, you are cute. Yeah, I I set him up. I set him up and they, and they oh, all sorts of people. Uh, doctors <laughs> reaching out. It was great. Um, there's nothing else to say regarding where Indianapolis is. This is what they want. I don't want it for them, but this is what you want. So okay. You've spoken. I I can accept losing. It's not fun, but I can accept it. This is what you want. This is the city you have. This is the city that Dave Ricks, and this is the city that Jeff Smullyan, and this is the city that Jim Morris and Herb Simon, and this is the city uh, that that Ice Miller, this, this is what you want, right? This is the city that Cummins wants. This is the city that Salesforce wants. Okay. And never mind all those people who have been uh, publicly silent on on the election and on the issues with the city. This is the city that the people want in Indianapolis. I know, I know. It might not be you. You're part of that 40%, but no one's going about changing hearts and minds. No candidate, no organization. Uh, This is it. So this is it. Okay. This is now what you get. I wish you the very best. I love Indy. I want Indy to prosper, but it seems right now that the population doesn't want Indy to prosper. So, what what am, what am I supposed to do? Point it out. I've pointed it out. Now, now we have to see the result of what it is that they voted for. We have to see the result of what it is that they created. There were uh, results last night that weren't good. There were some results that were stunning. Of course, Hamilton County and the blowout there, Republicans taking everything, Democrats sent packing. In the Bronx, after 40 years, they elected a Republican to a city council in New York. There were wins on Long Island. More New York movement. Very, very good stuff. But let's take it back to, for the sake of this conversation, Kentucky and Virginia. Kentucky... The argument was Daniel Cameron should have absolutely won that governor's race. Attorney General, black man, should have won that race in deep red Kentucky. But nope, Andy Bashir, the Democrat, gets reelected by five points when he only won against Matt Bevin four years ago by a, by a pittance. How does in the world does this happen? A uh, couple things. One is the name Bashir, of course, Andy Bashir's father was Steve Bashir, uh, former governor, also I think was a, uh, well, he was a senator, he was attorney general back, this was the 70s and 80s. People like the name, they remember the name, they know the name. This has 
a, a lot of play to it. We've talked about it, for example, West Virginia. Joe Manchin seems to have eroded his name ID, but nobody had better name ID anywhere than Joe Manchin in West Virginia. It should also be known that Republicans took the Attorney General spot, the Secretary of State spot, the Treasurer, the Auditor, Agriculture Commissioner. All of them. Republicans took everything. Maybe the name idea of Bashir is harder to overcome. And maybe when you have Republican control of the state everywhere, everywhere, the governor doesn't matter because the governor has to work with those Republicans in that House and in that Senate. There could be more things at play. And maybe the idea of saying, well, Trump not endorsed Daniel Cameron, and that didn't work. Well, it's not good for Trump that his endorsement didn't work. But it doesn't mean that Trump's endorsement caused the problem. So that's worthy of noting. And in Virginia, you lost the House of Delegates. But no one was talking about how absolutely razor thin these uh, places were. The Republicans had a net gain of one uh, seat in the state Senate and lost three seats in the House. They didn't lose hundreds. They lost minor. And this is a state that Joe Biden won by 10. Mark Warner won by 12 in 2020, the senator. Senator Tim Kaine won by 16 in 2018. So the losing stinks. But one should take a look at what's happening on the ground and where these things occurred and then kind of understand what it means for a future and what could be built upon it. A really good piece. I'll share it at TonyKatz.com.